Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Well, goodness, this morning, I, I'm pretty excited. Uh, again, my name is Greg McKinney. If you are visiting, maybe for the first time, it is an honor to have you. Uh, we are in week seven of being back since quarantine, and uh, it has been amazing to see all the new faces over time. We have some uh, Glory family members who are still just watching us live on Facebook. So if you ever feel like you need to miss a week um, because of, of the pandemic and things going on, you can always find us uh, online. Thank you for those who are watching. But uh, for everyone else, I'm excited. Uh, my wife and I are the lead pastors here at Glory Church, and though we are a new church, we have always looked at this as a, a home and a family, and so we want to treat everyone like that. So my hope is that even if this is a, a one and done for you, you're, you're just visiting and, and you're not going to come back, but that you still feel that this is an open table with an open chair and a place for you. You belong here. Uh, and, and it's been awesome to see people get that vision over the, the months and year, uh, year one. Literally, uh, for those of you who've been with us, uh, last year, September, uh, I think it was 9th, we did our first startup party ever as a church. Uh, we took over Ruby Jean's Juicery and uh, just called, uh, called it what it was. And it was not what we thought, but it was a beautiful, humble beginning. And God has brought us here. Uh, if you are new, I invite you, uh, as, as both uh, Brandon and Christy said, there are some cards under your chairs. If you are new, I'd love for you to pull it up. This is our Connect card. Uh, it's a great way for us to connect with you and uh, to allow you to feel that this is a family. This is more than just random people meeting together. Um, but if you are a, a guest with us, uh, you're joining in on week seven of a series uh, we've called Blessed, which is just tracking through the Beatitudes in Scripture. But if you have never... Uh, heard a single message from this series, you can still sit with us today. Uh, we've been tracking along Matthew 5, where Jesus makes these very simple yet blunt statements right after another, blessed are the, or blessed are those who, and every week sort of stands on its own. So if you're here talking about it, it's a, it's a variation of the word, uh, but the word you'll hear of, often over and over is peace, peace. Now, I don't know about you, but peace is something that our nation doesn't really feel right now. It doesn't look like peace is happening in our city, especially a few months ago. It did not look like peace was possible. Um, peace sometimes looks so distant, like a distant fantasy, because our world's loud, crazy, chaotic, messy, mean. There are mean people. Peace sometimes feels like a distant fantasy. Have you uh, ever seen the movie Date Night? Anyone? If you haven't, you should. It's on my wife and I's favorite list. Uh, date night's hilarious. It has Tina Fey and Steve Carell, and I promise there's a point in this. Um, and they, uh, they realize over time that their date nights are just struggling, that they don't really uh, know each other anymore. And there's this one scene where they're in like a very expensive car, and they're talking about their fantasies. And the, the wife, uh, Tina Fey's character, says, I just, it's in a hotel room. It's dark. No lights are on, and I'm sipping a diet Sprite alone. And, and, and the husband goes, 
alone. And it, like some of you are like, amen. Get me away from all the responsibilities of life. Get me away from anyone who can move. Get me away from any light. I just want to be alone. And maybe it's not Diet Sprite for you, but it's something that you're sipping alone and just no one's around. Uh, I'll just go normal Sprite. Um, but maybe, maybe for Tina Fey's character, it was Diet. Uh, but that's how we define peace sometimes. It's just the absence of the chaotic situation, or it's going to be the pause of the weekend, or peace is going to be that retreat that you've been saving up for. And uh, as we get into that this morning, Jesus looks out at a crowd that was heavy-hearted, a crowd that did not know peace, a crowd that was full of cares and worries of their own, a crowd that had, had issues in their home life, issues from their past, and to all of them. He's about to speak a depth of peace that we overlook. Tina Fey's character missed it, uh, and too often we do as well. To all of them, uh, Matthew 5, verse 9, he says this, Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the peace dreamers, or the peace talkers. We all know the people who like to talk peaceful things. Uh, the peace lovers. No, blessed are the peacemakers. This is the only time in scripture where this word is used. Did you know that? That's the only time. It, it's as if Jesus uh, made it up on his own. He, he just decided, I'm going to take this word peace, which means serenity, wholeness, completeness, and I'm going to blend it with the word to make. Uh, to make. So literally, it could be uh, said to bear peace, uh, to, to appoint it, that peacemakers uh, literally appoint it in their day. They act it out. They establish it in their home lives. Peacemakers exercise peace. And this is the beautiful thing that he is saying, but I think we got to uh, have a little bit better understanding of peace. I think we struggle to really know what peace is. If you're taking notes, I would love for you to uh, as we get into what it means to make peace, I think we need to know what peace is. And peace is not the absence of injustice. Tina Fey's character thought of peace is the absence of the chaos that I feel. It's the absence of the chaos. But though peace is in opposition to injustice and peace may be op in opposition to chaos, it's not the absence of, it's not just found once the, uh, the criminal has vindication. It's not found after the murderer is dead or is gone. It's not found after the house is finally clean. It's not just the absence of the problem. Peace isn't found just after the problem is fixed. And I think we need to realize that more and more. That's not the fullness of, G, uh, of peace that Jesus came to bring, the, P, the Prince of Peace. So as we get into this, I have a statement that I want us to sort of just digest and uh, exercise a little bit this morning, a statement that maybe has been chanted a lot in our nation. And so bear with me as we get into this. But I have a phrase for you. And I think it will help us understand our go-to um, errors when it comes to peace. The phrase is this, no justice, no peace. You heard that a lot lately, right? No justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. In other words, that, that I can't feel peace or that I will not experience peace until this injustice is gone. No justice, no peace. I will not feel good until that enemy has fallen. I will not feel peace until this hard season or this trial is over. Have you ever, like I believe that sometimes. I won't feel peace until this bad situation is taken care of and then I will feel peace. No justice, no peace. They have to apologize <laughs> before I feel peace. They have to change before I feel peace. But the depth of this is so much different than we think. Think about it rationally. If this were the case, then there will always be an injustice. Think about it. There will always be something broken. 
to halt or stifle or, or, or minimize or counter or silence the voice of peace. Think about it. If this were the case, then there always is going to be an injustice that will silence peace, yet somehow our Savior still speaks amidst injustice, right? And so this is the Prince of Peace, the baby who was born in a manger, oh, holy night. Did you know that surrounding that was the most atrocious injustice that the world had seen for a while. King Herod got word that the, a baby was being born, a baby boy, and, and literally he wanted to then kill every baby boy because he was afraid this boy would be a king and he would take my spot. And so literally, biblically, histor- historically, King uh, Herod makes this decree to kill every baby boy. So that means when the literal incarnate peace shows itself onto the earth to grow At that same time, injustice upon injustice upon injustice upon injustice is happening all around. What happens in that manger is still a growth of peace, but what would we miss if we said no justice, no peace? We'd have missed a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. We have to realize that there is a depth of this that we miss. Uh, We have to see peace as not what will come after the problem is fixed. No, peace is what comes to fix the problem. Let that, let that sit in. Peace is what comes to fix the problem. The peacemakers, they come and they fix the problem. No justice, no peace. I have a really hard time as I worked on this. Because I, if I claim that over my life, then I don't know about you, but I have, a, I have done some pretty unjust things. When God looked at me, I, I, justice would have been Greg deserved the wrath right? But instead, peace came, transformed me, and now God looks at me and says, justified, right? There's this huge difference. It's not no, no justice, no peace. Peace comes and transforms injustice, right? It comes to fix the problem. I wrote some notes down, um, but I'm not saying, and I want you to hear me, that it's wrong for us to take a stand against injustice. On the contrary, if you want to take notes, write this down. The peacemaker, a peacemaker is the stand against injustice. We just have to watch what we chant. Because at the end of the day, like me chanting, I have to have, this has to happen before peace is lying. No, the, my savior works peace despite anything else happening around him. And he's going to do it. He's doing it now. Peacemakers are the stand against injustice Peace is what comes to fix the problem. Peace is what can cure the injustice. Peace is what can forgive the wrongdoer. I mean, that's what forgave me, the wrongdoer, the prince of peace. Peace is what comes to give us the perseverance to clean that house. Like, peace is what comes to give me the perseverance and endurance to keep going. It's peace. I think we need to understand peace. So this down, blessed are the peacemakers. We're going to put all this together. It's the ones who establish that changing rhythm of peace in their family. Peacemakers. The ones who appoint or bring about something new in their workplaces. Peacemakers. The ones who appoint a new way for their children to see. Peacemakers. The ones who bear a new thought in their their argument. Peacemakers. The ones who exercise a new attitude when they're working with that coworker or that person. Peacemakers. The ones who execute a different order. Where one order would say this, the peacemakers execute something different. You see, uh, as we get into this, I just have a question. Do many of you uh, like dominoes? I got some dominoes. Look at these. You see, when I was a child, I loved playing with dominoes. Are they going to work? 
We're not going to work, are we? Hey, it's okay. I liked playing with dominoes, but it was this way of playing, right? Very little to do with the dots. And when I was a kid, I liked standing them up. You, we all know. Put, the, put them up and then watch them fall. You line them all up in a fun little spiral and watch them fall. This has a point too. We often think of peace as what happens when all of the dominoes have fallen, right? Peace, make, peace is what happens after the, all the dominoes. In other words, we think logically, I will have the conversation with the person who did me wrong. It's going to knock into this, and then they're going to apologize. And then once they apologize, that will knock into this, and then maybe I'll believe their apology, which will then knock into this, and then maybe this action will happen, and then this one, and it'll end with maybe peace. Or we think, all right, well, debt is, is destroying my, my family. I'm going to work harder, which is going to knock into a bigger paycheck, which is going to knock slowly down into debt, which is then going to do this, and then this, and then finally peace. Or we think, if I just hold my tongue with my wife, and then I do this, it'll knock, it's going to knock into this, and then maybe our marriage is going to be restored. No, you have to understand this. Peace is what knocks down that first domino. Peace is what knocks down. Peace pushes it, and it's going to be pushed in a way that is very different from the world. Peace is what pushes down the domino. It's not you going to the conversation and hoping it leads to the next. No, it's you going to the conversation with peace. Peace knocks the falling dominoes down. Peace doesn't hope to bring the change. Peace it is the change. Peace doesn't hope to bring uh, the better. Peace is the better. Peace doesn't hope to bring the completion. Peace is. We are made complete. And so blessed are the peacemakers for their children of God. And I think that we need to dive into that, to see it. Did you know there's a beautiful uh, prophecy of this Prince of Peace. Uh, we're going to get a little Christmassy this morning. A beautiful prophecy of the Prince of Peace. It's from Zechariah, which was the dad of, of John the Baptist. And Zechariah had this dream of, of what his son would do, that he would prepare the way for the Lord. And Zechariah says this. Uh, it's in Luke chapter 1. He says, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in the darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, I need you to look at the, the end of this statement. Does it say that, that God is going to come and light and to, to bring us out of darkness so that he will guide us toward peace? Does it say that, that the reason light comes into our life, the reason good things happen is so that we can be found on a way toward peace? No, it says all of God's work in our life is to usher us into a very different way. Not a way to peace, but a way of peace. Peace for today. Peace for in a moment. Peace for the, the now. Peace that abides now. Peace that can be born and bared and abided in and given out now. We often think of the toward, right? Like I'm going towards something. This like shatters my thinking. Often I think of life, and I hope I'm in a, a good, good situation in this. I often I think of life that I'm in this um, very boring waiting room that lies just outside of what I want or need or what I wish or what I dream. I'm in this boring waiting room, waiting. It's just, it lies right outside of my promise, or you can say your blessing. And that's how we think of life sometimes, that it's this long line to get to God's promise, but no, we are not toward peace. We are in a way of peace. And so we as peacemakers, as people who were redeemed, we live in it now. On a way where there's daily peace. 
where it is the affected. But I'm not in a waiting room. The Father is with me wherever I go. There is a way of completion that I'm a part of. And I wrote this down, and I encourage you to. It's less about an end result and more about a way of living. Peace. It's less about an end result. That when Friday comes, peace. But watch you define that as what peace is. It's less about an end result and more about a way of living. And those peacemakers then, Paul would call a little bit different name. So I want to get into that. If you may, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul sort of gives us a calling. He says that this way of living is not just like how you are. It's your ministry. In fact, if you have been redeemed and you have any kind of, of stake, if you've been changed at all, then you don't just have this, like, you're not in a waiting room. You've been ushered in a way of living that now has a ministry attached to it, a calling. He would say, and that calling is, we have the ministry of reconciliation, which is a really big word, but that just means my job now is to make right everything around me. Ministry of reconciliation is to reconcile, to make peace, to bring complete all the things that are around me. That's what the believers, we have a ministry of reconciliation and we are called to do. But if we have this peacemaking call, if we're called to uh, bring it about, bring it into completion, what does that look like every day? Because I don't know about you, but I still will um, go home to a house that does not feel very peaceful. Anyone else, I will still go home and, and have a week that has a whole lot of, of what-ifs attached to it that may not feel very peaceful. So how do we bear peace? How do we make it happen? I have two things for us, and we're going to call it a day. Sound good? Two things. So if you want to know how to make peace in your day, number one is this. Uh, we make peace by not counting people's sins against them. Now hold on as you read this. We make peace. How often do you tally up people's sins? I used to way more than now. Maybe not sins. Maybe that's too strong of a word. How many times do you tally up people's uh, sketchiness or flakiness? Or how many times do you, do you uh, tally up people's um, waywardness? We don't want to call it sin, but we, we do like to label our, um, our actions towards someone, sometimes by their actions in general. But a peacemaker does not count people's sins against them. In fact, this comes from 2 Corinthians, where Paul says, Jesus has reconciled you to God, and God no longer counts your sins against you. And yes, that's in a salvific way. Yes, that's in a beautiful way. You've been uh, born and redeemed, but that level of peace and thinking happened long before Jesus died. In fact, you know John 3, 16 God so loved the world that he gave his only son. In other words, he didn't count the world's fallenness as a reason to stay away. That's what I mean. He didn't count the world's ugliness as a reason to keep going. But instead, peace always comes closer. There's another time in Romans where Paul says, uh, Romans 5, where Paul says, while we were still sinners, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Meaning, he saw all of the incompleteness of our life, yet did not use that as a reason to not go forward. He did not count our sins as a reason for him to stay away. Instead, he saw our sins as a reason for him to bring peace. There's a very different but beautiful distinction, and how often do we miss that in our life? Uh, I, he, Jesus is as if he said... Um, their incompleteness won't determine my path. Their failures aren't going to lure me away. 
Like my path of peace is set and I'm going to walk it. And so I have a a few questions. Uh, Have you ever thought this way? You see, peace never thinks like this. They deserve that. Have you ever thought that before? Though (laughs) they had it coming. Anyone else think that way? Sometimes they had it coming. It was bound to happen because of that. Or they, they, you know, it's karma. Or it just happens. Or they deserved it. You see, peace never speaks that, thinks that. What would have happened if Jesus would have thought that every time he saw a sinner? Yes, we deserve it. But that, literally, that would have justified why he should play an inactive role in our life. But yet, peace always moves forward. And you want to know why it moves forward? Peace moves forward because it has compassion on the incompleteness. Peacemakers don't regard people's sins against them because they have a compassion for the incompleteness. It's like Jesus would say, this isn't right. This world isn't right. People literally have holes in their thinking, holes in their belief of love, holes in their way of viewing life, holes in the way of viewing themselves. They have holes in how they see it, and I have come to bring peace that there would be healing. And so what Jesus says on the cross is, Father, forgive them. Why? Because they don't know what they're doing. They have a hole in their understanding. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So I have a question. Uh, If Jesus showed us that our sin didn't halt his work in providing a way? If Jesus showed us that, that our sin uh, didn't halt his work in providing the way, then maybe that's what it means to be a peacemaker too, is that we don't let the sins of others halt us from providing, showing that there is another way, that their toxicity or their ugliness or their constant sinfulness isn't going to halt you from showing that there's another way to handle life. There's another way to handle love. There's another way to handle conversations. And it didn't stop Jesus ever, ever. I wrote this down um, because in our world, the word toxic has, has come up a lot in our modern world. That's a toxic person, walls up to toxic people, forget about them, leave them behind, like toxic person, get them out of your life. And I think that that can damage the beauty of what this is actually speaking, labeling people as, as toxic, where Paul writes, hey, friends, if it's possible to you, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do you know he said that? Uh, in, in, uh, you can, it is found in uh, where is it? Romans. There we go. Romans 12. If it has, as far as it depends on you. Now, when Paul is saying this, it's not a caveat to not then live at peace. He's saying often you don't go far enough. So this whole section says, love your enemy, bless those who curse you. And often you want to go away. Um, but this, as far as it depends on you. In other words, it's saying to Jesus, hey, Jesus, when they beat you, keep going to the way of peace. Hey, Jesus, when they spit in your face, when they literally harm you, betray you, keep making way to peace. They may never be reconciled to you, but you will still provide peace on your end of things. That is hard, right? That is hard. they They may never be reconciled to us, but on my end of things, there will be peace. So I will still do my part to forgive. I will still do my part to pray. We will still do our part to intercede on their behalf. We will still do our part to show love because we are peacemakers. I'm not going to let them determine my steps. I'm not going to count their sins as a reason to run. And then the last one, peacemakers, as we close, is this. We make peace by bringing in the right ingredient to the situation. 
We make peace by bringing the right ingredients into a room, a family, a marriage, a a life, a, a job. We make peace by bringing different ingredients. Now, this might be cheesy, but how many of you have ever seen memes about the difference between, some of you heard the word memes, and you're like, what? The memes and the difference between British cooking shows and American cooking shows. Very different. I mean, on one end, it's like, all right, chefs, right? You're going to make Mary Berry's famous chocolate tart. The recipe is at your fingertips. You never made this before. You have all the ingredients, three hours to do it, ready, bake. And then the American version's like, all right, chefs, and there's fiery flames all around you. You have a fishing pole to cook with. Um, there are ingredients across this chocolate pond. I need you to swim over there, grab your ingredients, fight for them, come over here, bake us a three-course meal. You have 30 minutes, ready, bake. And it's just one, is just chaos. I mean, have you ever seen the music is just, ah, and then the peace, the peaceful British baking show, you're just like, I am joyful. One is just not reality. The American cooking shows are not reality. There's no way that could taste really good. It might not taste bad, but it's not going to be as glorious as Mary Berry's chocolate tart, right? It's just not going to be. It's a different reality. And this is what we have to see as people who are ushered into a new reality. The world is a hot mess. They've been giving by birth a fishing pole to work with. And they will make love, they will make joy, they will make happiness, they will make plans, they will make, uh, in their mind, justice. And it's going to be a hot mess because they don't have the right ingredients. But this might be so strange, but as people of peace, we have the ingredients of the fruit of the Spirit. And that might be so cheesy, but we are people ushered into a new reality. And we have to realize, like, it's a hot mess out there. But what I bring is the right ingredient to make something life-giving. The American ones might be entertaining, but I can, I can promise you that Mary Berry's chocolate tart is life-giving, right? The, the world might be some, be some way, it might be entertaining, but what we bring with the ingredients we have is life-giving. And that's the difference. So as, I, as we close the believers in the room, this is a question you have to ask for peacemakers. Yes, God, practically, what needs to be brought in here? Hey, God, what, what needs to be brought in here? All right, God, so I have this relationship that I'm hoping will end one day in marriage, but what really needs to be brought in here? Or, hey, God, I have this struggling relationship with a coworker. What needs to be brought in there? Hey, God, I'm struggling at, at uh, my home life. What needs to be brought in here? Hey, God, I've really been struggling when I'm alone. What needs to be brought in here? Because peacemakers bring in the right ingredients. Love will transform. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So in taking the notes, I want you to write this down. Peace, it brings holy conversations into broken ones. Right? That's what you bring. That's what you have the opportunity to bring into your day. There's broken conversations happening in minds everywhere lies. There's broken conversations happening in in literal marriages. There's broken conversations happening in in families. And what we bring are holy ones. We bring the, the correct ingredients where life can happen, where hope can happen, where change can be brought. And those people are called children of God. So believers in the room, peacemakers, what incompleteness is around you today? Have you ever thought, like, what, what is the things that just aren't complete around me? Have I been bold enough to bring it in? What I know would change it? Have I left it to the side? Have I tossed it out? What incompleteness 
is, is in my classroom? What incompleteness is in my, my, my hallway? What incompleteness is, is in my neighbors? What do I need to bring? And as we close this morning, I don't want to, in a room this size, I don't want to shy away from the fact that there are some of you who have, feeled, who have felt constantly like your life is just that hot mess of an American cooking show. You've tried over and over to bring peace. You've tried over and over to feel awe. You've tried over and over to feel uh, that, that kind of serenity or wholeness or completeness, yet the whole part about this way of peace is that it can only be ushered in by Jesus. It can only be brought in from a life with Jesus. And so as we end this morning, Believers in the room, you can go ahead and bow your heads and, and you can just say like, God, how am I supposed to be a peacemaker? But everyone, as we bow our heads, there are people in this room who have never felt that style of peace. Peace is a thing that comes at the end in your mind, at the end of a long work week, at the end of a hard season. But Jesus said, peace is what comes to bring your okayness of living now. And so believers in the room, can you already start being a peacemaker and start interceding in this room? Just praying, because there might be someone next to you who's never known that style of peace. And friend, if that is you, it's, it's probably been hard for you to recognize and admit. You've blamed everything else for your lack of peace. And you have tried, you have. You've tried to strive harder. You've tried to, to be smiling. You've tried to have, uh, have hope. You've tried. But can we just own the fact that the Prince of Peace is the only way to real peace? So scripture says that all you have to do is come to him, all you who are weary and weak and heavy burdened, and he will give us rest. Maybe for the first time you need to do that this morning. If so, I have a prayer that you can pray alongside me right where you are. But it's what you feel right now that makes it worth it, makes it real. So if you've been struggling with a lack of peace, now is a beautiful time to step. Jesus just says, come to me. So you can pray with me, say something like, God, I have been trying to do this on my own. I have been trying to make things right. I have been trying to make myself whole. I have been trying to bring good. And it just keeps making a mess. I put on a good face, but I'm tired of it. Jesus, if you are real, I want that. Forgive me for my life of trying to do it on my own. I want you. Forgive me for my life of trying to fight for it on my own. I want you. Teach me how to be peaceful. Teach me how to have hope. Redeem my life. In your name. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.